Okay, let's go. <laughs> Presence, 
but he's already changed guitars, so we can just have fun and keep worshiping, and it's fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
like they did in the first church, but Corey told me that was a bad idea this week, so maybe another week. Instead, we've got these individually wrapped, uh, I think, crackers and juices, so you don't have to reach around and, and take uh, bread that other people have touched. So uh, a little bit different, uh, not like I wanted, I guess, but uh, Corey got that set up for you guys, so uh, that'll be uh, right after we get done talking here. Uh, now I have a song playing in the background, um, we like and I have a playing because this is a song for years. Uh, it's been one of my favorite worship songs, or uh, really just songs in general. It's moved me, uh, not like a lot of songs have. Uh, I've seen, uh, you probably had these same feelings. Uh, maybe the song is uh, like that song. you're beautiful. We want to thank you for your sacrifice. Because of your sacrifice, we can live with you for eternity. And I pray that we all would live our lives to you like you died for us. Amen.
participate in a time of giving, which is an opportunity that we have every week to support the mission and ministry here at Real Life Church. Um, again, I want you to know that we are not sure whether we're going to be able to meet here next Sunday or not. We're hopeful that even if we are not, that we will able to be able to bring a few people into the building, a kind of a skeleton crew, and live stream the service from here, since that's what we're used to doing. And uh, be able to do that hopefully until we're able to meet again in person if that is the case and looks like it's going that way. Um, this whole thing of like not maybe being able to meet here uh, just makes the dream of owning our own building uh, a, a little more pressing for me. <laughs> uh, we're a long way from that still but uh, makes me go ah man wish we were wish we had that. Um, but during this time of uh, uncertainty, uh, you know, I, I was trying to think. Um, I was at Walmart uh, last night, had to pick up a few things, and and just for fun, I walked down the um, toilet paper aisle, <laughs> just just for fun. Um, yeah, and and there there were actually about ten, um, you know, packages of uh, of toilet paper in there. By the way, it was the most very expensive toilet paper. Uh, everything else was gone. But I was thinking. I, I don't remember, maybe I just didn't pay attention, but I don't remember um, ever seeing that before. Um, we've been in, in you know, a lot of places and a lot of things going on, and I don't ever remember seeing that. It's kind of weird, and, and it, just, it just makes you kind of feel a little uncertain about what's going on. But I want to remind you this morning that even in those times of uncertainty, that is when we really need to trust in God. Um, as I think we are. While your generous gifts help us to pay the bills and salaries and help every person possible find real life in Jesus, we want to, as a church, rely on God, whether there's little or much in the offering buckets or online. So I just want to encourage you today to trust God with your physical health, to trust God with your finances like you do with your spiritual life. And then let's pray that sooner rather than later, God leads us not only to a home of our own as a church, but to our eternal home where we won't have to worry about these things again. Whether you're here in, in person this morning and you give when the buckets are passed through the aisle or 
Um, whether you're here today and, and you give through our app at reallifecc.us or maybe you're watching online this morning, I, I, I checked in a little bit to that. Uh, we've got a lot of people joining us uh, on the live stream this morning and we're super glad to have you. But uh, if you take a moment, you can go to reallifecc.us on your mobile device or your computer or whatever is handy. Click on the orange icon down in the bottom right-hand corner and you can give securely that way. Um, however you give, we want to make sure uh, that with your health, with your spiritual life, with your finances, with everything in our lives, that we're trusting God more than we're trusting those other things. So let's pray, and then he, here in person, the guys will come down the aisles. Um, you can take a chance to give, or maybe you've already done that at Recurring Gifts. We thank you for however you choose to give. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being present with us here this morning already. Thank you for being present with each and every person who's joining us, Church Online. God, we thank you for this technology and, and for the opportunity that we've had over the last couple months since we started this back in December to kind of work out some of the issues. Thank you for the opportunities that technology provides us to share the gospel with more and more people, even around the world. God, today, um, whether we're able to give or not, God, we just want to make sure that our trust and our hope is in you. And that no matter what crisis comes, no matter what uncertainty there might be, we can be certain of one thing, that you loved us enough to give your life for us. And that if you were willing to do that, if you were willing to give your son, if your son was willing to go to the cross on our behalf, you're willing to do anything. And you are looking forward to the day when we can be present with you. And you're looking forward to that even more than we are. And so God, today we put our trust in you, our hope in you. Thank you for loving us and for being with us, even in the most uncertain of times. Thank you for that, God, in Jesus' name. Um, I just figured something out, by the way, uh, late last night and, and then this morning jumped on my laptop. We, you now have the opportunity, like if uh, maybe somebody doesn't have Facebook or whatever, you can now, um, a little bit after our live stream starts, you can go to our webpage, reallifecc.us, up in the navigation bar at the top. It says join us live. You can click on that and you can watch the live stream directly from our webpage uh, right there. Um, so that's a link from Facebook, and uh, so that's kind of cool. So if you don't have Facebook, you can jump up there and, uh, and watch as well. And, and just so you know, we're um, looking at some other ways to expand our, um, our, our ability to live stream our services, uh, and including 
the opportunity for people to, to be able to comment and respond live and share prayer requests and ideas and sermon notes and all of that kind of stuff. So looking at what that might look like uh, over the next few weeks and as we um, continue to go on, I think uh, online church has, has been kind of blowing up and a lot of people are doing that. Um, and I think this just kind of elevates that and, and it's not going away, folks. <laughs> so, uh, so we want to do our best to take advantage uh, of that um, opportunity to, to just continue to help every person possible find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day. We're going to wrap up our uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting message this morning. And um, it's going to be a little bit different probably than, than what I or the way I am used to sharing it, at least in the beginning. Um, and so uh, let's, let's dive into it this morning. I want to start um, with 2 Timothy and, and, and several verses from 2 Timothy. Here's what he writes. Uh, Paul writes this to, uh, to Timothy. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. A few verses later, he writes this, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it. A few verses later, he writes this, all scripture is God-breathed. Is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul ends this uh, short encouragement to his protege, the young preacher, Timothy, with these words. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God, through his Holy Spirit, through his son, through his word, through prayer and fasting, is working to thoroughly equip you and I for every good work. Not so that we would be happy and healthy as we hoard our blessings, but so that through good works, the world would see the light of Jesus. Do you know how we do that? How we share the light of Jesus with the world? We look more like him every day. What we've learned over the last several weeks in this series is that Jesus knew the scripture. He was familiar with what we call the Old Testament Bible. He prayed, and today we'll see how he fasted 
to prepare for the spiritual battles that awaited him. So Paul wrote to Timothy about what he said was the last days. It's a phrase returning to the time before Jesus returns and heaven and earth are finally brought into unity and peace. Paul talks of difficulty and struggle. And to be sure, those things will come. But Paul's not the only one who wrote about the last days. In the very first sermon ever preached, a guy named Peter stood up and and he proclaimed faith in Jesus as the means and the way to salvation. And he also spoke about the last days. In that very first sermon preached to people who did not believe in Jesus or that he was the Messiah, Peter said this, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. The first sermon preached by Peter was in 33, roughly 33 AD. Just about 50 days or so after the death of Jesus and closely following his ascension into heaven. Paul's letter to Timothy, which I just read part of, was written about 34 years later in 67 AD. The history lesson is so that you'll catch this important truth. We're in the last days. We've been in the last days. And we'll continue to be in the last days until Jesus returns. Jesus himself comforted his followers with these words. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there'll be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. What I want you to notice is the last few words there. He said these are the beginnings of birth pains. It seems that the world is coming to a screeching halt. But I want you to know this this morning, that as long as God is God, we're good. As long as God is God, we're good. So followers of Jesus, be wise, don't worry. Be helpful, don't hoard. (laughs) Be patient, don't panic. Be concerned, but don't give in to chaos. Spread hope and not hype. Let me just tell you plainly how God works in our lives. Your greatest times of spiritual growth will not come in times of plenty, but in times of panic. You will grow the most spiritually when things are going bad, not when things are going good. And it's odd to me because as believers in Jesus, we often pray that God would make our life easy, that he would provide things for us that would mean we don't have to worry and we don't have to panic and we don't have to struggle. And yet God knows the truth that our greatest times of growth happens when there's opportunity for panic. Because it's in those moments that we can lean on God the most, that we have to trust him the most. Everywhere Satan attempts to destroy faith, greater faith is developed. Wherever followers of Jesus are killed, more followers are called. Whatever Satan means for evil, God uses for good. And so it's in this time that God can use us as his followers in ways that we maybe had not thought of 
before if we're willing to listen. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. How you can calm the mess in order to listen to the master. So after Jesus was baptized by John the baptizer, and before he had called his first disciples, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record in their gospels that Jesus fasted in the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. So I want to read Matthew's account of of that time, of Jesus' time in the wilderness. Matthew says this, Jesus has been baptized, he's come up out of the River Jordan, the dove has come. It's been obvious to John and others there that this was the Messiah. And then Matthew writes this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So we're going to just take this few verses bit by bit this morning and kind of break them down and look at them a little more closely. The first thing that Matthew says is that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And that seems kind of interesting. I I, I don't know, when you read it, it's like, I, I don't kind of get that. That seems kind of odd. But there are several times in the Bible story where followers of God are led into difficult situations. Again, I think most of us think, God, uh, when I become a follower of Jesus, that life gets easier and life gets better and I don't have to worry about those things. And yet we find over and over again that when people come to faith, they can experience times of trouble. So let me give you just a few examples. God, through Moses, led the Israelites out of Egypt. You remember that story. You can read about it in um, the book of Exodus. So God leads the nation of Israel out of Egypt and out of slavery. And they get not very far, a few days' journey, and all of a sudden they're trapped between the Gulf of Aqaba on one side, they're on the beach, and the impending uh, Egyptian army. And, And they're ready for battle, right? I mean, they're not taking any captives here. They're coming out to just slaughter the Israelite people. And they're trapped. There's nowhere for them to go. They can't outrun the chariots of Egypt, and they're trapped between the army and the sea. That was a difficult situation. In fact, if you go back and read that story, you find that pretty much everybody believed this was the end. They were going to die. In the New Testament, Jesus sent his disciples across the lake, the Sea of Galilee, it's called, knowing that a storm was coming. And guess what? His disciples in the boat thought they were going to die. As believers, our goal is to be led by God's Spirit. But the truth is, We want to be led to plenty and away from pain, right? That's what we want. Listen, don't think the Spirit of God wants to lead you to safety or stability. He doesn't. He wants to lead you to look more like Jesus. And and so if you you think, like, I'm going to come to church and and God's just going to make my life easy and he's going to give me new cars and new homes and new stuff and new job and everything's going to be stable and comfortable, and life is going to be good, that is not what we see in God's Word. The Spirit of God does not want to lead you to safety or stability because He knows that we don't grow in that situation. He wants to lead us to look more like Jesus. So just for fun, um, let's consider some of the things that Jesus was led to do in, in His short three and a half year ministry. 
There are lots of things that Jesus did, but one of the things Jesus said was that he does what he sees the Father doing, right? And so he was led by what God was already doing, so the things that he did, we can say Jesus was led to do those things by the Spirit, by God. And so here's a short list of some of the things that Jesus was led to do. Jesus prayed with the hurting. When he found somebody hurting because they had lost someone or there was a struggle in their lives, he prayed with them. Jesus cried with the brokenhearted. In fact, the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. He pays attention to, to you when you're in those moments and those situations. And, and, and you know right now in this moment of kind of chaos and, and struggle and uncertainty, God is with us. Jesus fed the hungry. Jesus died for those who hated him. Jesus was led to do that. And here's the one that I think fits us today most. Jesus touched the lepers. Leprosy in the Bible is, is kind of a generic term for a whole bunch of different kinds of skin diseases. Um, if you've gotten sucked into, uh, I think it's TLC's uh, The Foot Show. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, yeah. That's disgusting, isn't it? But it's kind of cool and you can't look away. It's like a car wreck. <laughs> uh, so this is leprosy in the Bible. It's like a general term for all kinds of different skin diseases. But here's the deal. Even in the Jewish culture, according to God, if you had a skin disease, most of the time those were very contagious, and you had to go outside of the camp. Like nobody would talk to you. And in fact, if you ran into somebody on the road, you were walking around or somebody clean came close to you, you had to shout out, shout out leprous, leprous. Maybe that'll work today, right? If you're diagnosed with corona, everywhere you go, you just have to shout out, Corona, Corona. I, might not be a good idea. Somebody's going to think you're talking about beer. Maybe that won't work very good. Uh, but that's what they had to do. And, and so they were separated from everybody. Nobody touched them. Nobody even got close to them except Jesus. He touched the lepers, and he hugged them, and he loved on them. The Spirit of God leads us into difficult circumstances, but he also leads us through difficult circumstances. In this case, he led Jesus into the wilderness. And, and, and I was thinking, what comes to mind um, here in Kansas when you think about the wilderness? Do the words comfort or ease or relaxation come to mind? You know they don't for me, right? Sleeping uh, outside or on a sleeping bag on the ground, not comfortable, not easy, don't like it, not into that. But you know what? I, I grew up in Oregon, right? I grew up in, I know what the wilderness is. I have been in the wilderness. I have stayed in the wilderness. And, and even here in, in Kansas, a, a few years ago, I went and stayed at a family property out on Fall River. Um, and there was a camper there, so I was inside. I was in a bed, but um, I, I was outside. I had a little campfire going. I was by myself. And uh, I was just enjoying, like, nature and, and God. I was praying and having a good time. The fire was going. And, and I thought, um, I'm safe by the fire, right? Animals don't, like, they don't come near. I'm safe by the fire. And then I heard the coyotes. Uh, and I was like, I'm a man. I got this, right? And then I heard them again. And, and then I heard them again. And then I didn't hear them because I was inside the camper. 
because uh, I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't do that. Uh, that's, that's crazy. Wilderness is scary. It's unknown. It's uncomfortable. It's dangerous. It's dirty. <laughs> and I've kind of felt like I've been in the wilderness the last few days. Just seven days ago, just last Sunday, I shared with you how God is growing real life. Growing our, our kids' ministry and our nursery and, and even our church attendance. And that we were seeking ways to deal with that crowding. We, we, were, we were seeking the leading of God to what, about what to do with that crowding. And today, we're not sure if the city is going to let us use the Civic Center in the next few weeks. Um, now again, don't, don't worry about that. We're working on contingencies and, and thankful because, thankfully because of your generosity, we were able to purchase the equipment and do the things we needed to do to be able to go live. And so even if we can't meet here, we will have church and we will put something out so that every person possible can find real life in Jesus. Our dedicated volunteers are working to improve our online experience every week. But honestly, it feels like the wilderness. It's uncomfortable not knowing what the future holds. It could be dangerous as we contemplate um, the long-term effects of not having weekly services. The strain on your finances, which will put a strain on our finances, which puts a strain on our staff's finances. But here's the point and, and, and where I've come to land. That the Spirit, God's Spirit, will lead you where you have to lean on the Spirit. God's Spirit wants to lead us to places where we have to lean on His Spirit again because that's how we grow, right? We've got to be in places where we have to say, I can't do this. I can't figure it out. I can't do it on my own. God help me. <laughs> It's in those times that we grow the greatest, we grow the most, because we're not relying on our own strength, our own ability. It's because in those times, when we can't figure it out, we're weak, and we need the strength of God. But there's more to the text. The Spirit didn't just lead Jesus into the wilderness for no reason. He led Jesus to be tempted by the devil. And you go, that's kind of odd. Like a little bit, looking at that at first, that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Like that was the purpose of him going into the wilderness. But see, God couldn't keep Jesus from facing temptation. Because if God somehow kept Jesus from facing the temptations that you and I face in our humanity, there would always be this question mark, right? Like, like, would Jesus really be able to stand up to the things that we have to deal with if he never even had to face them? Jesus had to face temptation, and he had to beat it. Now, here's an interesting thing about this um, story. Hopefully, i got a few minutes to share it. We're not going to get into the actual temptations between Jesus and, and Satan. You can go ahead and read the rest of that chapter if, if you want to. But here's what I found interesting. The first two temptations where Satan comes to Jesus, he starts out with this line, if you are the son of God. 
And I think that's interesting because every other time that Jesus comes in contact with any kind of demon possession or anything, do you know what they say? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Every demon that Jesus encounters, they're like, dude, I know you. I I know you're the Son of God. I know who you are. But when Satan has this moment with Jesus, he says, if you are the Son of God. And I was thinking about that, and, and I, I, came, I came to this. Have you ever been challenged like, like Satan challenged Jesus? Um, how many injuries to body and ego have begun, I bet you can't, or I bet you won't? I, I won't name names, but a few years ago on a racquetball court, one of these incidents started this way. With these words, prove it. You remember that? I won't say names. I won't say who it was. See, there was one person in the racquetball court who said, um, I used to be able to do a backflip off the wall. And somebody else in the room said, prove it. And, and he was right. He used to be able to do backflips off the wall. It, uh, it did not go so well. See, the Holy Spirit led Jesus in the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by Satan. And Satan thought because of Jesus' humanity, he could get in there and, 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 and get his ego to show up. There will be times when you will be led into places of pain and struggle. Not so that you might give in to temptation, but so that you might find the strength in God to stand up to it. So that you might learn to lean on his strength instead of your own. So that even when you want to lash out to be your old self, you will give in to God's grace and you'll look a little more like Jesus. Perhaps that's what's happening now on a national and global scale. Perhaps we're being led into the wilderness not to prove our strength or our ability to stand up, but to prove God's strength and his faithfulness through us. We'll talk what that looks, about what that looks like in a, a little more in just a moment, but let's go on with the text. Matthew writes, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. And I think that's probably um, the most obvious and understatement of like the whole Bible. He fasted for 40 days and nights, and he was hungry. That seems odd. But I think Matthew had to write that because it speaks to Jesus' humanity, right? Jesus was fully God and fully man. Because he was fully God, he was able to limit himself to his humanity in a way that that we just can't fathom. Like we can't understand how that worked and how he did it. But you know the statement from the the genie in the Disney movie Aladdin um, maybe just scratches the surface a little bit when, when he says uh, phenomenal cosmic power itty bitty living space that's kind of Jesus right I, I mean he created and sustains the universe the rings around Jupiter stay there because of Jesus and yet after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting he was hungry because he was able to be fully man He was able to fully experience our weakness and conquer it through his obedience to God. And that's what makes Jesus worthy, worthy to die in our place. 
See, had he failed to obey, to stand up to Satan, to fully experience humanity, he would have been unworthy to die. Let that sink in just for a moment. Jesus had to come and live fully as a man. He had to face the same things that we face in order to be worthy to die. He had to suffer in order to die. And that doesn't seem right. But that's why he came. The second thing I think that's important about this this statement that that he was hungry is, is this, that if the God of the universe fasted before facing Satan, if Jesus needed to avoid food in order to be weak in his flesh but strong in his faith, how much more should we? If we want to look like Jesus, we've got to follow his lead. And Jesus fasted when presented with a difficult spiritual situation. Jesus fasted 40 days, and then the tempter came. Then he was tempted. Why do you suppose Satan came at the end and not the beginning of Jesus' fast? I think Satan's assumption was that Jesus would be strongest at the beginning. Right? He's just been baptized. It's the beginning of his ministry. He's just getting going. And I think Satan looked at that situation and and he said, Jesus is going to be strongest at the beginning of this wilderness time. And so I'm going to wait until the end when he's at his weakest point, when he's hungry and he's thirsty and he's struggling. After 40 days without food or water. See, Satan thought that Jesus would be weak And so quicker to fail and fall. And this, I think, is the reason Satan's first temptation um, speaks of Jesus' greatest need, right? He says, turn this stone into bread. Here's the point. Satan will always focus his fight on our weakest front. So, do you have a quick temper? Get angry easily? Well, he's going to push that button all day long. Maybe your weakest front happens to be sexual in some way. Well, Satan's going to make sure that there's alone time for you at night when nobody's around except you and your phone or your computer. Or when you're out of town, he's going to whisper things like, no one will ever know. Maybe your weakest front is fear. And so he's going to whisper in your ear. He's going to tell you, if you don't get as much toilet paper as you can, you might not have any. By the way, toilet paper does not stop corona, even if you wrapped your whole body in it. It wouldn't keep you from from getting it. I I don't know. Um, And and by the way, people lived for thousands of years without toilet paper. Um, So I, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there in case you need to know. Maybe your weakest front is politics. You just can't stay away from an argument for your party or against somebody else's, even though you've never successfully gotten anyone on social media to change sides. You've just unfriended and been unfriended. (laughs) Satan didn't know that when we're weak in ourselves, we're strong in God. Paul recounted one of his prayers um, in 2 Timothy 12, 9 and 10, when he asked God to remove a weakness that he he had 
But God's response, he records it for us, is this. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul went on to say, when I am weak, then I am strong. You and I grew up in a, in, in a, in a society, in a culture that, that said, you're strong, you got to be strong. You know, men don't cry, we got to handle things and, and handle your own business and all of that stuff. And, and so we don't like weakness, we don't want to talk about weakness, we want to avoid weakness. And yet in scripture we find that when we're weak in ourselves, we can be strong in God. Jesus understood that even though he was weak physically, he could be strong spiritually. And that's what fasting does. It reminds us that we don't live on bread alone. That we don't rely on physical strength alone. That we aren't living for what this world has to offer. That we're not like everyone else. That our strength doesn't come from us, but is found in God. And so we become weak that God might be strong. We decrease so that he might increase. We turn the other cheek, not because it's easy, but because it's not our strength. It's not our show. It's not about our comfort. It's not our fight. It's his strength. Working through his people to bring every person possible to his son. Last year when I taught on fasting, I encouraged you all to give something up for a portion of, um, I think, of that week. I think it was four days. Many of you um, took that seriously, but... Uh, perhaps no one more than Sunita. I think it was something like six months later, after we had done that fast, that she told me she had maintained that fast for that amount of time. But she'd taken that moment and that challenge to fast and maintained it. So this week, as I continue to pray that God would grow his church and continue to read his word, I'm also going to fast. And this one's going to be difficult for me. I've fasted from food before for multiple, multiple days. The first couple days, it's not real easy, but it gets easier after that. And I've fasted from other things in my life. But, um, but, but this week, this one's going to be hard. It's my intention for the next seven days, Monday through next Sunday, to go without processed sugar or carbs from things like bread for the next seven days. I've never done that. I've never even attempted to do that. Um, it means that I won't have coffee because I can't have it if it doesn't have lots of sugar in it. Uh, so I don't know what I'm going to do uh, about that. Um, I don't really know how I'm going to do it. How I'm going to avoid everything that I love that might have sugar in it. But in my weakness, I expect God to show up in strength. And as I continue to pray this week for the growth of our church and our people, and I pray that God minimizes the effects of corona and that even in this uncertain time, his church, we as a church, expresses his love to our neighbors. During this time when we are weak, he proves to be strong. And so I want to challenge you um, this next week. 
And I want to challenge you this morning to fast this week, to pray, and to read God's word with me. And, and since it's really easy to think that and then not do it if you're not accountable, here's what we're going to do. Um, there should be plenty of cards and pens and things uh, on the rows that you're sitting in. So if you're here in person today, uh, grab one of those cards, write your name on it. Um, and, and then if, if, if God has already, like I expect, begun to reveal to you something that you might fast from, I want you to write that in the bottom in the comments area. And we're not going to post that or share that or anything. We just want to pray for you. We want you to know that somebody else knows what you decided to do because that will help you to be accountable. And if you're joining us online, you can go to My Message Notes. It's at reallifecc.us. Just click on the My Message Notes link there. And at the bottom of that page, there's an online little form where you can put your name and you can put what you're going to fast from. And I want to just encourage you to join me in that, to be weak for the next seven days so that God might be strong through us. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you to fast from something, I want you to write that down. Maybe it's Facebook for you. Maybe it's food or fighting. Maybe it's Oreos or alcohol or cigarettes. I don't know, but I challenge you to join me in that. Because perhaps this wilderness time for Real Life Church is an opportunity for us to actually be the church. And so let me give you a few practical situations of how we can do that. If you have more toilet paper than you need, give some to somebody who might not. Let me rephrase a Bible passage for you if I can, if I can do that. If you have two rolls of toilet paper, give one to somebody else. There's a chance our local schools will be closed for an extended spring break. So I want you to think, as we do as a church, how can we show the love of Jesus to those kids and families who may not get enough to eat if they aren't eating at the school during the week? What about those who might get sick and be unable to work for a couple weeks and don't have things like the little duck guy on TV? Aflac, that's the word. Or maybe, um, maybe you work in, in, in food service or a restaurant or a, a waitress or waiter or something and, and you're worried about what's going to happen. People stop showing up. Consider how we might be the church. And if the Holy Spirit reveals a need to you in the life of somebody else and you are unable for whatever reason to meet that full need, please let us know we'll do what we can to help you meet that need. Perhaps during this wilderness time of fasting, we'll learn to look more like Jesus every day. I hope that's the case. Let's pray. God, thank you for leading us into the wilderness. Not because it's easy or fun, because it's in these times that we learn to rely on you. It's in these times of our weakness that you reveal your strength. 
So God, we pray that you would do that. Certainly Satan would would use this as an opportunity to keep people from church, to keep people from loving and caring for and sharing with one another. Throughout history, God, your church, your people, reached out to the lepers I've stepped into the crossfire I've been the hands and feet of your son Jesus to a lost and a hurting world so would you help us to continue that pattern would you give us the strength in our weakness to look more like your son every day God as you do that We'll trust and rely on you. And we'll believe that when we come back, we'll come back stronger than we are. We'll come back with a greater dependence and reliance on you. And in the end, you will turn what Satan meant for evil into something good. And so that every person possible might find real life in your son Jesus. As we work to look more like him every day. Father, help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our last song.
Thanks for being here.